And many of you have walked alongside of us, literally, as we live daily life there. Uh, we arrived back in Canada last July. And for the next several months, we really didn't know what was coming, what was in front of us. Um, we came in July, and in August, our mission psychologist sat us down and said, you know what, we think you need to be on health leave. Health leave, and, and we've never been on anything like that. He said, he meant that we were cognitively and emotionally depleted. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. Um, we haven't been, at least knowingly, and... We didn't know how to handle that, how to take that. You know, literally after an hour of engagement, if we would sat down and talked with you guys, we would just be wasted. We'd be gone. Uh, afterwards, it felt like we would have been put through the ringer. And to build our resiliency and to rebuild our strength, we were told to cut off everything. Social media, contact with the churches, with you guys, with Brooks, with High River, with... All our friends, all our, all our friends back in Costa Rica uh, is a pretty tough place to be. That whole social media thing I was thinking as I was writing this, you know, in this day and age, for most people, that would be a real hardship. Cut off everything. That, yeah, just everything was hard. Having just gotten back from another country, we knew we had to reestablish ourselves while working through leaving a culture, leaving a, a place that we called home. And coming back to our passport culture, knowing we had to reinvest ourselves into a different way of thinking, different way of living. We had just left some of our best friends. And arriving back, we found ourselves in a particularly tough position. We weren't capable of making some of those cultural adjustments that friends and, and other strong relationships have a way of just kind of smoothing out. Tough place to be. And as we walked through it, one of the thoughts going through my head was, is it worth it? Is it worth it to go through that? As international workers, our role was more than just building into our leaders into several of the poor communities of Costa Rica. Sometimes Linda would accompany, accompany me, but most of the time I was alone as I, as I visited, visited very, various countries. I remember walking up through a barrio into the hills of Bogota, in Colombia. I was alone with this lady, this lady of peace. Uh, a, lady, uh, a person of peace is someone who's active in transforming and redeeming her community, walking through the, and we were walking through all the squalor and, po and poverty. And for those that know me, I love to have my camera on my side. And it's really strange not to be using my pictures up here today. Um, but I always had it. And so when I was walking with her through, through this barrio, through this community, I'm off five feet away, six feet away, snapping pictures of the kids, of the, of the squalor, of everything. And, and she kept saying, get back closer, get back closer. You have to be closer. Finally, after multiple times, just calling me, calling me back, she said, Kurt, your life is not worth anything here. You have to know this. Everyone has a gun. And if, if they think you will have a negative influence on their drug business, they'll just shoot you and walk away. When you find yourself in a tough situation, you ask, man, is it worth it? Let's just, let's just stop and pray for a second here. Lord, we just thank you for this morning of worshiping you. Of coming before you. Of hearing all those languages being spoken in praise. 
Lord, we just thank you for the grace and the mercy that you give to us, afford to us. We just pray for your presence to be here this morning. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Now, Scott talked about your giving, and one of the things he talked about was, was the giving to, to Alliance Missions. And when you guys give, it's called, it's called giving to GAF, G-A-F, okay? And it means Global Advance, or Glo- Global Advance Fund. And I, and I got a couple acronyms here. I didn't want to confuse, so I thought I'd explain that real quick. But that GAF is for getting missionaries sent out, set up, and living expanses wherever they are in the world. The other one that I want to talk about this morning more specifically is called GERF, okay? All these things that the Alliance have. G-E-R-F, okay? And that's the Global Emergency Relief Fund. And the Christian Missionary Alliance uses this fund to respond to emergencies all over the world with, with refugees, emergency food, and many different areas of relief and development. Anyways, when the 7.0 earthquake hit in Haiti on July 12th, 2010, 160,000 people were killed, and almost 1.5 million people were displaced. It's kind of the size of Calgary. Imagine all those people in Calgary not having a place to live. CMA Canada, all the churches within Canada, raised $1.1 million in aid. Now, I was part of the team that went in to reconcile how that money was being used. I had made several trips in, and on one visit, I found myself with a a pastor walking through a community that I don't think they'd ever seen a white person before. We had gone to visit a person who had gone through a recent medical emergency and was, was close to dying because of lack of medical attention and nutrition. And for the next three hours after that, we just walked through these communities as he shared his heart and his vision for the people around us. And I was really uncomfortable with all the eyes staring back at me. There was so much hopelessness. Um, There's so much danger in those eyes. And there was just a a deep anger. You could just see it. Whether it was just looking at a white person or looking at someone who has things, like having privilege, there was just a, a deep anger. And the pastor just kept, just kept reminding me, just pray for safety. Pray for safety as we walk through. Definitely, this was a time going through my head, what am I doing here? Are you crazy? You know, is it worth it? Many of you, many of you know of our partnership in, of ministry in, in the Copper Canyon in, in northern, northern Mexico with the Taramara people. Now these people, they don't have words in their dialect for love and hope. Which raises the question, how do you share Jesus if you can't use the words love and hope? It's a place where water is scarce and food is more scarce. To share the love of Christ in action, several years ago, we we took in about 29 tons of food and did an emergency food drop. One of the stats in that area is that 50% of the children will die before the age of 10. At one food drop, we were giving out food to hundreds and I remember we were in a, in a large, in a plateau area, stunted trees everywhere, and these people had come from hours. They'd hike four or five, six hours, and, and Lynn and I were going, and, and you could just smell something in the air, and, and we just we were going, you know, what is it? And, uh, and uh, it was just the smell of humanity 
you know, just unwashed and unclean. And, and there's all these people coming for help. And on the top of one of the hills, I saw a jeep. And uh, uh, I said, so what, who's that up there watching? Well, that's one of the drug cartels. They're kind of watching, watching what you're doing. You know, drug cartels, they have social programs too. They give food for work. You, you manage the fields, they feed them. And we are interfering with this for that whole system. We actually had to cross over one of those hidden airstrips to get to where we had to give out food. I could tell you stories of dead bodies and, and killing crews and communities driven out by cartel wars. But those would only scare you. And of course, you're in the middle of all this and you're asking yourself again, man, what am I doing here? You know, and you have that question, is it worth it all? Now, you guys are sitting here in your comfortable chairs in Lethbridge. And as I go through some of my recollections of some of the stuff we've done, maybe you're doing that too. Maybe there's points in your life you're asking yourself, like, is it worth it? What's my purpose? What's going on? Biblically, our purpose, our purpose is pretty clear. And Debbie had, written some ver- uh, had read some, some verses about it, but I would just want to read a couple. Mark 12.30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Luke 4 goes on to kind of fine-tune it a little bit. He goes, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it makes your purpose pretty clear. It makes my purpose clear. Last July, Linda and I left Costa Rica. We had, we had invested our lives into the leaders of two socially, of two, of, of two communities that were physically and spiritually impoverished. They're called Wistros and Lydia. I'm sure you, many of you have heard about them. Our focus started out by finding the the people of peace, those individuals driven to be an agent of change or a community transformer. We found Cecilia and Marcos. Then we found Noel and Simé, and then Herson and Rocio, and on and on. And we lived with them, and we poured into into their lives. And they poured into others and their communities and their individuals all around them and and, and the groups they're a part of. Now, I could stand up here and talk for hours. Literally, the guys last night knew that I can get carried away when talking about, about the goodness of God in, in, in these situations. You know, his faithfulness, his providing of strength, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, of lives changed, of entire families being redeemed, of physical healings and life-altering baptisms, all a result of leaders of these communities having the spirit come alive inside and resulting in wanting to share their their stories of Jesus. Who's, just raise your arms if you've been to Costa Rica with us. All right, people, take a look at who they are 
they can tell you the individual stories. Okay? They can, they can share with you what they, they saw God in action. They can tell you of seeing God's mercy and grace of the stories of life transformation and the impact the impact they had on, uh, that, was, that was on their lives as, uh, as a result of, of seeing God, God working. They've got the details. I, wanted, I want to share with you guys some of the highlights. Now, we worked with our leaders to build more leaders, to assess their communities for resources, and to use those resources in a manner of Mark 1230. I'll remind you of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And God was faithful in so many ways. The events in the lives of our leaders served as a platform to build relationships. And through these relationships, Christ was made known. People came to know him personally. Now, don't think that all these life events were all happy thoughts, you know. Um, life is tough. You guys know that. Life's hard. I mean, it's it regular down there, you know, of accidents and poor health and deaths, selling off children. Well, it may not happen here, but, I mean, trafficking does happen here, too. Um, of body discernment and starving and homelessness, you know, all scrambling to survive. And our leaders lived a life that showed God can redeem each of those circumstances in life, each and every day. Through life events and purposely making relationships, many people were discipled. So here, here are some of the highlights. Sorry, guys, that were at the thing last night. That's kind of a bit of a review, but it's good to hear again. The local church grew from averaging six people a service to over 100. Now, they, they had services every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, three times. And then throw in small groups and all that stuff. So a little bit more busier than what you... What even you guys are here? Um, Twenty-one people were baptized at once. Amazing experience. Treated water had been provided in La Lydia and Aguasrius through God's favor on Cecilia. Every water source or well in Aguasrius was deemed unusable. The fecal matter count was too high. But with clean, treated water, it's now improving health and a quality of life never experienced before. Most students, if you went to school would quit after grade six to work and help the family. Some of you guys, I guess everyone's in kids' homes, but everyone that's grade, grade, grade or seven and more here, you had the choice of going to school or not down there. Graduations to junior high rates were one in eight last year. 100% of the students chose to continue. For four, four years in a row, we assisted through your guys' help of encouraging students to choose school by supplying 75 students every year with, with uniforms and school supplies. Marcos, kind of the, the papa of, the, of everyone, he was mentoring six young men. He is mentoring six young men to be pastors and spiritual leaders of their communities. In La Lydia, on average, 200 kids, right now, as we meet, there's 200 kids gathering in La Lydia for a meal. And it's coupled with a, with a VBS every week. About 40 adults, men, both men and women, come to be discipled, and that's it's what we call church. It's a community of active Christ followers, active and vibrant. In Guisros, about 50 kids are given one meal a day for six days of the week. 
The community women have their own craft room where they're learning sewing skills. Sewing machines provided by you guys. A local psychologist visits, visits weekly providing literacy training and general counseling every Friday. I need to talk about that general counseling. Linda and I were there during one of the feeding programs and uh, this woman comes up to us and she had six kids, seventh on the way, and she just comes up to us and says, will you please take my son? At first, at first we thought, you know, she was just kidding. And, uh, and, and no, and she wasn't because about half an hour later she goes up to Cecilia says, will you please take my son? I can't afford him. I don't want him. Uh, people come from six surrounding communities by a van and a bus. Again, donated by you guys. The bus, by law in Canada, the bus fits 48 students. In Costa Rica, there is no law, so it was about 105. Um, but it, and, and, and people are turned away. If there's a second bus, literally, it would be full too. Three cows provide milk and 500 chickens provide eggs for the feeding program. 25 young leaders are being trained and discipled, giving those community leaders skills and abilities and a faith to be transformers for years to come. 50 families have been set up with 25 chickens each. Each family is, is coached in how to put food on the table to make some money to learn about sustainability by buying more chickens. And lastly, every year, about four different communities receive a Christmas party, much like the Christmas box that, that, that Samaritan's Purse does here, um, but where in these communities, every child receives a present, a meal, and several hours of games, and get to, they get to listen to the Christmas story of redemption. Probably totals, one year it was over 1,200 kids that we were able to, averages about 1,000. Those are just some of the highlights of the past 10 years. So, Linda and I, we phys physically left Costa Rica. Emotionally, we're still there. Um, but, and we left that hands-on aspect of ministry. I'd like, I, like, I like walking around and saying that, you know, a pastor's role and a missionary's role is to work themselves out of a job. If you think about it, that's, that, that's how it works. And we were at a point where our leaders were able to continue on. They were coming up with their own visions and goals for the future, and, and God was blessing, and things were, things were moving on very well. I cannot emphasize enough of this next statement. Without you guys, take your finger and just point to the next person beside you. Without you guys, we would not have been able to get to that point. Your financial giving, the pies, the prayers, the encouragement, the teams coming down, you guys were a major tool in what God is doing down there. I don't mean by Aaron being a tool, but, but, <laughs> but you guys are a major tool that God is using in a mighty way to shape and transform lives and communities. Um, now, you guys may be familiar with the Christian Missionary Alliance, but for those who are not, let me explain a minute to, to, let me take a minute to explain what we do globally. You are one of 435 churches, Alliance churches here in Canada. We are all linked together by prayer where we proclaim, O oh God, 
with all of our hearts, we long to be a movement of churches transformed by Christ, transforming Canada and the world. We are united by three common passions, to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused. When we look at the world, we have made a commitment to completing the Great Commission by going to the least-reached people groups around the world. You guys are all familiar with what a least-reached people group is? So a least-reached people group is those that are under, as a people group or as a nation, or as an indigenous tribe, less 2% or less are, are believers. Okay, so, so it makes for a very small percentage who, who, who follow Christ. So uh, the Alliance, the international workers, uh, they go to the least reached people groups around the globe to the most spiritually neglected people groups with Jesus' message of hope providing access to the gospel. Now, we have designated the world into five S regions, like the letter S, just S regions. The first one is C to C, and that includes Canada and the host of people groups making this nation their home. The nations are coming to Canada. The second one, so C to C, second one is Asian Spice, includes most of Asia. Third one, Silk Road, Europe, Middle East, Central Asia. Desert sand is Africa and the Caribbean sun, where we were at, Central South America and the Caribbean. So right now, this morning, globally, you'll find about 5 million people attending Alliance churches on any given weekend in more than 80 countries. One of the most exciting developments is that 37 of those countries are also sending out international workers. And we have the privilege of partnering with workers from those countries out to the most most least reached people on the planet. In short, we are a global pioneering movement. Now that's a great segue into the, into the next question, what are the Dole's doing next? Well, it was November 29th, five o'clock in the morning, just a couple months ago, and Linda and I were headed to the Calgary airport with Pastor Scott and Pastor Aaron. I was in the back seat thinking, well, the next nine days, 24-7. I know I can handle Scott, but Aaron, well, I, there, was, there, was a lot of, there, was, there was a lot of questions going through my mind. <laughs> Lynn and I were so very thankful for, for these two men of God that were coming with us to, to visit Ciudad del Este in Paraguay. Ciudad del Este, um, if you know your geography in, in South America, I'm right below Brazil. You have Uruguay off to the east is Paraguay, and Argentina is right in there. And then Ciudad del Este is located right on the tri-border area. So, we, so literally five minutes of drive from the house we'll be living at is a bridge. You stand on the bridge. Paraguay is right here. You look across the high rises across the river is Argentina. Across the bridge, Brazil. It's a very multicultural place. And so we went down with the idea of, of going through a discerning process to figure out, by God, what, what's our next step? And thankfully, we had, had Aaron and, and, and Scott with us. And God got to use them in a very special way to, to speak through them to us. In, and we, we saw the same things. We heard the same things. And... Uh, and last, about three weeks ago, after, after 
reviewing everything he said, Linda and I said yes to about going to Paraguay. So what did we say yes to? When we left Costa Rica, God was very firm in my mind, saying, this is what I want you to look for. It needs to be a Spanish-speaking place. It needs to be focused on the least reached. It has to do something with the Islamic faith. And we would be continuing on with the focus of leadership development. Pretty, pretty strong agenda to have all those in one place. Um, and, and at the time, Linda and I were asking, or telling, asking ourselves, like, where, where can we find a place like that? Last year in Ciudad del Este, City of the East in Paraguay, a new ministry was started called the Samuel House. It was in partnership with the Chilean National Alliance Church, Alliance World Fellowship, which is the overall body of Alliance churches throughout the world, the National Paraguayan Alliance Church, and the Canadian Alliance. Now, you, you business people in the, in the audience here, you know what the word leveraging means and how to leverage things. Um, and so, in missions, same thing. As white-skinned people, we, we do not have a positive track record of forming a relationship with Muslims. But you know what? Latinos do. The churches of Latin America are becoming one of the strongest regions of sending out missionaries. The Chilean Alliance Church has partnered with the Canadian Church to build into their process of sending out prepared missionaries to some of the toughest places on earth where Muslims live. Samuel House is a place where up to between six to eight young professionals every year go through a nine-month intensive cross-cultural learning experience in preparation of moving to places like Jordan and Syria and Egypt and Afghanistan and, and all the tough places. For those of you who know Herson in Costa Rica, this will be similar to building eight Hersons in one year to go out and expand the kingdom. We will be on the, on the ground facilitating this learning experience, living at the first Samuel House. Why Ciudad del Este in, in Paraguay? It, it, for those that you know, Iguazu Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world, is right there, but also is the third largest market in the world. It's a market of Chinese goods that, send, that supplies all of South America. It brings in a lot of people. You can walk through the, the market and you hear Spanish and Guarani, which is a local dialect, and Korean and Arabic and Chinese and English and Hindi and you name it. It's, 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 it's all there. The city has a very large Arab quarter. It's about nine, it's about nine blocks. Yeah, about nine blocks by, by nine blocks. And there's tens of thousands of people that live in that area, mostly Lebanese. The students receive training and classes in the morning and in the afternoon. They are living what they learned out in the community, for, forming relationships with locals. At the end of the nine-month period, the, the, the Chileno Alliance Church, the Chilean National Church, sends, out, sends them out. In the next five years, five Samuel houses will be planted throughout the world. So as I went through that, I'm going, check, Spanish-speaking, check. Focused on the least reached. Check. It would have to do something with the Islamic faith. Check. You know, focus on leadership development. You know, God knows. God, God knows. We are very excited about this opportunity. And we are equally excited as we move forward partnering with each of you.
when I think of all these leaders being sent out to live out God's word in local community over the next several years, I get, I get really excited. I mean, backed by a community of believers like you, it's overwhelming. You need to know that as an Alliance church that is filled with people living in grace and mercy, living out Mark 12, 1230, right here, right here in Lethbridge. You are part, uh, I was going to write, you are part of a team of kingdom builders in Lethbridge and southern Alberta and the rest of the world. But it's also Jerusalem, Judea, and the outermost parts. I want to close with one little story. In La Lydia, there's a boy named Anthony. 2012, his mom lived about half a kilometer down the road from Cecilia and Marcos. And, and one day, Cecilia get, receives a knock on the door. And uh, mom goes, uh, I don't want Anthony anymore. Will you take him? Um, and uh, it just it kind of rocked your world. I mean, it rocked Cecilia's world to have that happen. And she goes, you know what? I won't buy him, but I'll take him in, and I'll love on him. So that he was 12 years old in 2012, so now he's, he's 17. And uh, he lived in an atmosphere of, of motivation, of yelling and screaming and hitting and all this stuff. And he walks into the family of Marcos and Cecilia, and it's filled with love. And there's a lot of, a really hard time of, of adjustment. And, and at times, Cecilia would come to us and just say, Kurt and Linda, what do we do? You know, this, this kid just isn't listening. Um, and, and I just said, continue. We'll keep on praying, but just continue. That love is going to break through. So a lot of stuff happened there. And then last February, we did a, uh, a training time for 25 leaders in surrounding six communities. And we brought in a trainer from Nicaragua to come and, and, and insta- it, it's called Shades, Community Health Evangelism. And, uh, and it was on two weekends, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. And the first Saturday, all of a sudden, Anthony goes, well, I'll join you. I'll come in. And everyone's jaws just kind of drop. And, okay, come on in. And so that first Saturday, he's not taking too much. He's not involved too much. And, but he's sitting there and learning all this stuff. And then Sunday comes around. And Sunday afternoon, Caleb, the trainer from Nicaragua, says, okay, next Saturday, we're going into Cariari. It's a town about uh, half an hour away. And we're going to go share our faith. And, of course, the, the, the group's reaction would be much like yours would be if I said, okay, I got a bus outside. We're going to Brooks, and we're going to go share our faith. And, uh, and so the next Saturday morning rolled around, and about half an hour before we, before we left in the bus, Anthony goes, uh, I need to go run to the store. So he gets on his bike, and he takes off. Well, we're half an hour later. We're waiting for him, and there's no Anthony, so we're just, we take off, and we're going down the road. And God has, an, obviously, he's, he's got a sense of humor, because who's cycling towards us as we're driving the bus down the road? But Anthony, Herson, uh, looks at me and, and smiles. He stops the bus. He says, Anthony, get off your bike, get in the bus. He says, but, 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 he calls him dad. But dad, um, my bike, I can't leave it here. Herson says, I don't know who lives there, but leave your bike there. Just tell him you're going to come pick it up later. Get on the bus. So he gets on the bus. And, and we go on to, into Cariari. And, uh, and there's 20, 20 of us, and we're all in groups of two. And I'm kind of watching where everyone's going and, and how they're doing. And I see all these people flitting around. They talk to some people and then move on and talk to another. 
But off to my right was Caleb and Anthony talking to this guard. Afterwards, we're all getting together and kind of reviewing, debriefing over about sharing our faith. And it comes around to Anthony, and Anthony just smiles. Now, Anthony is a guy that for the first three or four years that I knew him, I would ask him a question, he'd look at me and smile and walk away. He didn't like talking. And so it comes around to Anthony, and Anthony just holds up a piece of paper with a big grin on his face. And everyone's going, oh, Anthony, what's going on here? And he says, he says, my guy accepted Christ. This is his phone number. This is for the pastor to follow up. And everyone's jaw just dropped. They knew Anthony. They knew he didn't talk much. Afterwards, Caleb said, I would have never, never shared Christ in the words that he used. But for some reason, it got through to that guard. I think of that situation and, and uh, I just go, you know, yes, it's worth it all.